When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Adam Carricker on The Ticket on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Adam Carricker on The Ticket each and every Monday through Friday. I am live the fastest two hours on radio each and every week, Tuesday, Thursday. Check out the Carricker Chronicles, the Big Ten Show, and then on Wednesday from noon to 1 p.m., Mr. Steve Taylor. But I'm joined right now by Nebraska's head football athletic trainer for years. Okay. A man who was there for championships, a man who was there through many coaches, a man who was there while I was there. And now he is a consultant slash affiliate for former player relations, Mr. Doke Ostergaard. How you doing, my friend? Good. How are you, Adam? I'm doing good. Doke's joining me on the Aloe Fiber VIP line. Now, Doke, real quick, how long were you the head football athletic trainer at Nebraska? Um... Just the head roll from um, from '97 through '06. I was okay. How long? Okay. I know at one time you were. Sorry about that. I know at one time you were the tape guy and you were there for a long time as well. How long were you there in total? Uh, Twenty years full time. Who were some of the coaches that you worked for? Oh, geez. Well, for a long time we (laughs) ability. Yeah. Unlike nowadays, we had the same the same guys. We had Milt and Charlie and Frank and George and Ron and Coach Osborne and <clears throat> Turner and um, um, who am I missing? Well, there was either Kevin Still or Craig Bowl, uh, linebackers. Um, I think I'm still missing one probably in there, but Nelson Barnes, I uh, think, was one. Then and then and then of course we transition. Uh, interesting part about that the transition when Frank made changes to his defensive staff um, prior to his last year, he had Lance Leopold and Scott Frost both step in an interim roles. What was the odds of of having two guys sitting there? Mm-hmm. Eventually became Power Five coaches, and then of course we got Coach Callahan's group and all those assistants. Um, so between Coach Osborne, Frank's staff, and uh, Callahan's staff, those the coaches I worked with for, in football. So I had actually forgotten this, but my dad recently reminded me that he used to send my high school recruiting tapes to Lance Leipold. And so he had a relationship oh. with him. Obviously, now he's got things rolling to Kansas, but I had completely forgotten about that. I'm curious. A lot of different – maybe just think about the head coaches, you know, Coach Solich, Callahan, Osborne, so to speak. 
What are some of the biggest differences and or similarities between some of those coaches through your experiences? Uh, well, naturally, you got just different personalities, right? Where Coach Osborne is going to be pretty, pretty even kill and didn't change much. Um, very intelligent. Hate to have to say that on there in case he's listening. We don't want him to get a big head. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's heard that before, though. Coach, <clears throat> coach Solich is a little more fiery. Um, players coach, you know, oriented that way. And then Callahan came in, and again, another different personality, but a different mindset and um, approach. I, I, I don't think he was really relationship-based like coach was. And going, you know, with Coach Osborne and going to uh, Callahan, the biggest change, and this is common in a lot of coaches, if you'd ask Coach Osborne what the greatest motivator is, he would say love. You'd ask Bill Callahan, he would say fear. And you'd ask Vince Lombardi, he'd say fear also. But you can imagine that sets up a completely different culture when you're to that extreme. So. Yeah, Coach Callahan, I remember when he came in, he definitely brought more the NFL mindset, more business-like type approach, and that's just the way he approached things. Now, I'm curious, which players over the years spent, like took care of their bodies the best, whether it was in getting treatment a little bit more, maybe it was doing prehab to prevent injuries or getting in the cold tub. Who are some of the players over the years you thought took the best care of their bodies? Well, I obviously have to say Adam Carriker, don't I? <laughs> I did live in the cold tub. <laughs> that was for sure. <laughs> Who else? Uh, well, let's see. It's hard to say because um, I would a name that I believe you remember, but didn't get on the field much. Steve Sopranic probably spent mm-hmm. as much time taking care of his body as anybody I could remember. Um, you know, most of the time back back then, and this is just how things have changed too is back then guys didn't want to spend much time in the training room. And so that I wasn't a favorite, you know, you come in and, and hang out. Great, but not come in just to actually have to do something, get treatment and et cetera, et cetera. So nowadays it's, that's at the forefront. Uh, people are more educated and they're, they're wanting to take care of their bodies more and all that business. But yeah, the one person I would pick out of, Everybody when I was there was probably Steve Sopranic. He was always in the cold tub, always wanting to do something. And, and of course, now he's a personal trainer. So um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he was a little bit, I want to say he was two years ahead of me, a linebacker, a very intelligent guy. And so you're right. It's interesting because the training room used to be viewed as a place you don't want to be in. Uh, almost, I don't know how to phrase it, like, Maybe you weren't as tough if you were in there, or maybe if you were in there and you were injured, maybe you were going to lose your spot. It was just viewed differently. Now, obviously, there's a more educated approach to that. But here's what I know. Sometimes players will cut loose a little bit more in the locker room. I also know they'll sometimes cut loose a little bit more in the training room, and you get to see their personalities a little bit more sometimes. So I'm curious which players over the years had some of the biggest personalities that you were able to be around. One of the biggest, I think everybody would agree, and it's not because he just had won a Heisman, but Mike Rozier, he'd come in and he'd hold court. 
<laughs> he'd get up the tape, and everybody was fair game in the room. He could start picking on whoever he wanted and have the whole room in stitches. So he was definitely one of the biggest personalities. And uh, m- much of your, your audience probably didn't realize that. Like, you didn't even talk. I don't, I'm, it's amazing that you're making a living uh, <laughs> talking now. You, you already said boo for four or five years. So. You know, what's funny is I have, I'll, I'll skip to it. I have towards, I think it's the last question on here. Here, I'm just going to read it. Are you as shocked as I am that I talk for a living now, considering I never spoke when I was a player? So there, we'll just jump to that question since you brought it up, because it's the truth. I would say probably more, I'm more shocked because you probably knew you had something in you and maybe you're just being polite and, and uh, mind your manners and didn't want to say much. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty shocked. And of course, you do a really good job. I, I, I do wonder how you let somebody like Pat McAfee get away with a former kicker punter guy wearing a tank top on TV and you don't try and like, challenge him a little bit. That's, that was one of your, your claims to fame is the biggest, biggest guns in the NFL or whatever it was, right? And you're letting a punter out, do you? You need to start wearing a tank top. I'm, I'm convinced. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I love that you referenced that. So I I guarantee most people either don't know or aren't aware of what you're referencing. When I was in D.C., I had a show at the time called Fourth and Pain. It was half pro wrestling, half football. And my co-host, Chuck Carroll's like, you need a moniker and you need something to go by. And so at the time, Scott Steiner had the largest arms in the world or whatever. That was his moniker as a pro wrestler. So I had the largest arms on the D line is what Chuck dubbed me for our show that we used to have out in D.C. And so that's what uh, Doke is referencing, uh, the largest arms on the D-line. I haven't heard that phrase in about half a decade. But, you know, it's interesting because when Pat first emerged on the scene, all I could see was a punter. That's all I could see. Yeah. But then yeah, you listen yeah. to him. Yeah, you listen to him. He, he does a great job. He's like me. He's a big WWE guy, so sometimes a little bit of WWE-ness comes out, so to speak. Um, I do remember one time. It was my senior year. We had just finished like nine on seven drills, which is all you're doing is running the ball. So you get a little beat up and then one-on-one drills, one-on-one pass rush. So everybody's watching. And I just finished those and I go into the locker room. The locker room is still in the South end. Okay. So it must've been my junior year. Cause we went to the North end, my senior year. I go in the locker room and I, I got nothing but love for punters, kickers and long snappers, but this is the, the true story. So it is what it is. I go in there and the old stools that we used to have, Okay, in front of our lockers, you could flip upside down. There was a little cylinder under, under it. And they had our punters, kickers, and long snappers, like six or seven of them. They're in there, and they're shooting footballs through these flip-over stools through the cylinders on the bottom that kind of become a basketball hoop, and they were playing horse. And so I'm like, wait, I'm going through nine-on-seven drills, one-on-one, and you guys are in here playing horse with the stools flipped over and the footballs. Uh, but, yeah. you know. They're awfully listeners may not realize the stigma that's attached to being a punter or kicker, and this is part of part of the reason why it applies. They they are kind of their own little group within the team, right? Yep. 
it, it's unique. And to be honest with you, I mean, there's a lot of pressure that goes along with being a field goal kicker. Nobody knows who the long snapper is until you mess up, and that's not always a fun job yeah. to have. You know, maybe punters have it the easiest, I guess, of the three, unless you're backed up in your own end zone. Uh, but Pat McAfee does a great job, but you make a good point. Um, I haven't worked out in a while, so maybe I, I, I'll hit the weight room a little bit, and maybe I'll start <laughs> dubbing the tank top here on 93.7, the ticket. Yeah. Yeah, Were you there? People, once they understood the stigma that's a roundup punter and a kicker, they'd understand how, like, how that guy shouldn't be wearing something like that, where you, you, quote unquote, real football player should be. So it just, it, it just strikes me as a little bit ironic, but uh, <laughs> he's a confident dude. You got to give him, you got to give him that. And he does a good job. So you were there. I know you weren't the head guy, but you were there during the Tommy Frazier book, Brooke Berenger, the, the blood clot, the collapsed lung, Matt Terman. I've always wanted to ask you this and I just never have. So I'll do it now in front of everybody. Uh, Tommy Frazier gets the blood clot. Osborne, they're they're a highly ranked team. They're trying to win his first national title. How much, how difficult a situation was that? And nobody knew what Brooke was going to do in the games because nobody had seen him play yet. When Brooke became the starter, like how much pressure was there to try to get Tommy back on the field? And obviously safety first, but then all of a sudden Brooke has the collapsed lung. I think he even played a game with it. And then Matt Terman started versus Kansas State. Like, what was that whole situation like from a trainer's standpoint? Because that had to be nerve-wracking on your guys' end. Well, so the, the the blood clot Tommy had was serious enough, and it was beyond our control. So we there was no point in us really getting nervous. We There was a good chance he would never play again. So, you know, it's well beyond us. It's doctor's hands and everything. And we knew Brooke was a good player. So had a, a really good backup. So there was probably more pressure and more concern once Brooke got hurt, because then you're after him, you're going to Matt Terman, which was, uh, that was a really tough kid and everything, but it was more limited than what we had with Brooke. And then, um, uh, yeah, Brooke, he had the, the collapsed lung and, and, uh, yeah. And then happened again, a game or two later and very serious. It's not like, you sprained an ankle or tweaked a hamstring or something like that. Like these are really serious deals happening at your key position. So I would say there was probably more pressure to try and get first off, make sure Brooks lung wasn't going to collapse anymore, but um, getting him healthy and back out on the field. So um, that helps. Like I said, you know, you've, you've been around, I'm sure people that have an injury or an illness where you're, you're beyond the, the help of the trainer you're just removed um that's kind of the boat tommy was in so uh, luckily we had some really good doctors do some amazing things that uh you know let him continue his career for a while did brooke play a game with the lung partially collapsed or am i remembering that wrong oh let's see so the wyoming game he went in for a touchdown in the south end zone pretty serious hit that's that's when he would have cracked the ribs and and uh punctured his lung <clears throat> and he stayed out on the field and you know when did the lung collapse and all that you probably know exact way to, of knowing that but it's probably safe to say that yeah he played some uh some of that game finishing finishing the game and then we had to douglas was a shoulder pad company that we were using at the time we had to have a special 
uh, rib protector made. And you've probably seen plenty of rib protectors that just kind of strap over your shoulders and they just hang down. But what we wanted was to have a, a solid cylinder around him. So we had the pads made to where after he put his shoulder pads on, then we could screw the rigid pads together. So even if somebody landed on him, then the, the rib protection was actually going to uh, protect. It, you know, it wouldn't allow uh, the full compression forces to land on him because you'd have this cylinder, a solid cylinder around his, his uh, ribs. So, okay, so last couple of questions before I let you get out of here, Doke. I appreciate you joining me. So you're down there quite a bit with the program, with Matt Rule being the head coach now. What's the vibe around the program like when you're down there? And then do you have a score prediction for the Huskers and Michigan State this Saturday? Oh, geez. So <clears throat> the, to me, the, the vibe is, is it seems to be really good. I, Jason Peter was at practice the other night. Um, and he made a comment. It looks like we're we're really practicing football. Coach Rule, I would I would say if Coach Rule could stay on the practice field all day long, that's what he'd love to do. He just seems to just be happier than a pig in poop when he's out at practice. And um, um, the players, I don't interact a whole lot with them. But when Jason was there the other night, you know he's familiar with several, and they come up, sit high, and and they all commented how much. They're loving it because they're actually winning. And, uh, you know, when you played and Jason played, we took winning for granted maybe. But just getting on this winning track is really – you can see how much the kids are enjoying that. And then um, – and, and Coach Rule is really big on uh, a family. He wants everybody to feel like it's a part of a family. And so they're always doing something that's – building team, culture, unity. Um, so it, it seems very healthy in that regard to me. All right. I am happier than a pig in poop that you joined me on the show today. And did you have a score prediction for the game this weekend? Okay. Well, here's this is the tough part. If you can tell me how many fumbles we're going to have, I should probably do a better job. On, oh, on man. But, uh, over, the over-under is four. Let's go with that. Oh, it's not funny. I'm sorry. That's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say, I'll say 1710. How's that, Huskers? I could take that. I could live with that. That works for me. All right, sir. I appreciate oh, you taking the time for, the for joining me. Right? What was that? It'd be huge for the program. Get another win. Keep things rolling. Oh, man. Get to 6-3, and three, bowl eligible. Who knows what happens beyond just that, but we'll start with that. So I appreciate you taking the time to join me, my friend. You bet. Good talking to you. All right. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.